I have seen more decaying junk in the locker room of the YMCA. I have seen more prunes. He made me hit him because my car was going and then all of a sudden my path was interrupted by his car door. I have seen more prunes. Hey, welcome to The Bitterest Pill. It's Dan Class. I'm in my garage under the flypath at Los Angeles International Airport. Here in beautiful, you know where uh, Los Angeles is. Must I, must I say it? Uh, how have you been? So, yeah, we didn't, we didn't talk last week. Which, as, as you can imagine, means uh, there's plenty to talk about today. Now, I'm not even sure w- where to begin. Um, so, yeah, how have you been? Really? Okay, good. Have you, do you follow me on Twitter? Or Facebook? Are we Facebook friends? Are, are we Facebooking? I can't. I can't get down with the Instagram. I, I'll tell you that right now. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna send you pictures of my lunch every day. It's not gonna happen. I know that's what the kids are doing. All day long, sending pictures of their thumbs and their food and uh, each other. If you leave your phone apparently unattended, your friend will take a picture of their ass and put it on Instagram. And you're. I don't know what's happening. I just know I'm not into it. I am now officially, without reservation, a grumpy old man, so let's just deal with it. Let's just, right? Let's just deal with it and move on. Let's call an old man an old man and uh, go forth. And uh, go forth. Okay, so. Since we last spoke, well, let's start slowly. I'm looking for a new health club. I think that's what they're called. Sports club, health club, place to work out place to occasionally go and sort of go on one of those elliptical treadmill-y uh, sidestepper thingies. Now, my son and I started going to the Y in the early summer. In the springtime, I started riding my bike, and then for some reason, we just got it in our heads that maybe my son, you know Hudson, would exercise if I exercised. Hi. If I exercised with him. And we got it in our heads that we needed to play racquetball. Have we gone through all this before on an earlier show? Was Is this what show 312 uh, was about or something? So we wanted to play racquetball. That was going to be our sport, racquetball. Mostly because you know what? It's indoors. It's indoors. It, it requires a little bit of equipment, but not a lot of equipment. And that's good for us. Indoors, a little bit of equipment, you know, something to kind of mm, purchase, but not lug around. But where we live, uh, the only place to play racquetball that we could find, health club-wise, there's probably a place outside, but again, two of the appealing factors, A, indoors. Why? Don't know. Why? Because we live uh, a stone's throw from the Pacific Ocean. It's probably the most perfect weather on the planet. Why would we want to play racquetball indoors? Because we're weird. That's why. Okay, I don't understand it. I just recognize that we're weird. I get it. You're, uh, you're saying, Dan, this way. Yes, it is. I, we're fine. Well, the only place we could find was the YMCA. Now, we're near... You know, we, we, we have a very suburban little street here, but we're, we are in Los Angeles, so we're within almost walking distance of a Gold's Gym, an LA Fitness, a 24-hour fitness, the YMCA, although the Y is closest, um, a Spectrum. Do you guys have Spectrum? There's the Equinox, the closest Equinox, which I guess is the highest of high end. Is that true? That seems to be the cool new place to go. It's not quite as close, so I would. That, that's not even in my sphere of thinking. But when I looked at all the places, the only place I could find that definitely had racquetball was the YMCA. And then at the time, there was some uh, assumption that my wife and my daughter may also join. And Tulu, my daughter, Tulu, would want to go swimming. So that was the goal. The goal was uh, racquetball and a swimming pool, which means we had to go to either Spectrum, very expensive, or the YMCA. Uh, okay. And part of how they get you the YMCA, you know, is that... I'm moving my microphone. Sorry if I'm making a horrible sound. 
But, you know, it's a community place and it's for fun and building community and having friends and fun and friends and fun. So we went we went there and we signed up. My wife took my daughter there to go swimming once, decided there was too much chlorine in the pool, not going back. Now, not exactly sure what kind of swimming pool my wife expected at a place called the YMCA, where children, adults, geriatrics, right, everybody is in that pool. Trust me, you want it to be chlorine. Chlorine with a dash of water. So the swimming pool was out, and then we played racquetball. But the thing with the racquetball is there were, there's only two courts. And when we signed up, they're like, oh, yeah, people barely use those things. So they're pretty much available all the time. All the time, except, uh, Dan, when you want to play. Then when you want to play, there's someone in there, or there's someone just about to go in there, or there's some class being held in there where they take a bunch of toddlers in there to play basketball. I don't think I quite understand. I mean, I guess I do, but I would never have done it. Uh, Like, Saturdays at 2 p.m., apparently a bunch of adults show up with their toddling children, and they put those plastic, you know, basketball hoopy things in there that you buy for two-year-olds, except they all can kind of play basketball together at the same time, even though kids at that age don't really play together, they play in parallel. So they're kind of playing together, and the parents are all kind of pushed over their backs up against the wall, and they're not speaking, they're just kind of standing there with their arms folded, but they feel like they're being good parents, because they're taking their kid to the Y and teaching them how to play basketball at two years old. While I would like to be playing racquetball with my teenage son. So that got very frustrating. So then, and then of course we go and we would lift uh, weights on these weightlifting machines a little bit, you know, and then we would ride, like I say, the elliptical thingy or the, uh, the other elliptical, like, I don't know the difference between the one with the yellow on it and the one that's all gray and the one with the thinner handles. There are three different types of kind of elliptical things. Maybe one is only elliptical and one you can do a kind of an ellipses shape or a stepping shape or a running shape. I don't know. What I do know is the uh, YMCA has finite parking. Okay, so finite parking plus swimming pool plus basketball court plus yoga slash Zumba equals nowhere for Dan to park when he just wants to ride the elliptical for 45 minutes. Now, you would think that would not be enough to put me off the YMCA. And it, I, honestly, it really wouldn't because there is other parking in the neighborhood or you go around back, I guess. You have to walk around the building. It's not that big a deal. Listen, I'm there to exercise. Why not start my warm-up by walking from the car around the YMCA to the front where I can actually get in? Let's not put an entrance in the back because that would be, I don't know what, a back entrance. Let's not do that. We'll just walk around this fine because, again, I'm here to exercise and build community and make friends, except I don't really want to make friends. I really want to play racquetball with Hudson. The straw, though, that really kind of broke the camel's back, and maybe this is the way it is in all health clubs. Again, I have not been a member of a health health club ever. 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 My dad... He sort of almost joined one, or maybe he joined one for a little while when I was 16 or 17, and I would go there a couple of times with him, but never in the locker room. You understand? So I I have this lifelong locker room phobia. So maybe it's the same in all health clubs. But Hudson and I quickly determined that the YMCA locker room is for specifically geriatric exhibitionists. I have seen more decaying junk in the locker room of the YMCA in the short time that we've been there since the late, it wasn't even late spring, it was uh, Memorial Day. We started going there, I have seen more prunes in that place, just getting our rackets in and out of the tiny lockers. Then I had in all the times, all the times, oh, ever, 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 my whole life, ever. 
And I don't know, maybe that's a generational thing. Maybe the greatest generation in the world has the greatest testes and they need to show them around. Is that some kind of weird manly health club greeting like, hey, look how high. I mean, just I don't want to see. I don't want to know. I don't know why. Why are you not like me? Why are you not getting dressed in shame as quickly as possible? Why? Why do you not? Why? Why? Why are you slowly, slowly getting dressed, facing me and my adolescent son? Is it because he's in here? Is that what it is? You're some kind of perv that likes to show your wang to teenagers? I don't get it. Put your tidy whities on, Grandpa, and face your locker. Face. That's part of what the lockers are there for. So you know which way to face your groin. Oh, it's ridiculous. Now I'll tell you this. Now this is the, this is something again from my uh, the the Dan class. I can't believe people actually do stuff like this department. So one of them is showing your jewels in the locker room of the YMCA. It's bad enough that it smells like feces in there, but then I gotta see your package. So this is so this is what happened. Now recently I put on Twitter, and if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, just go to twitter.com/slash. Dan Class. That's Dan Class. Class with a K. Follow me on Twitter and you can hear all the wild things I say like, I'm going to kill my next door neighbor. So my next door neighbor... Okay. So you know how next door Gene used to live next door? My old neighbor Gene, and I mean old by... You know, he was in his 90s when he died. Never showed my kids his junk, by the way. Never felt that that need as far as I know. Just saying. So Gene passed away. You know that, right? And then his wife passed away. And then before that happened, though, his daughter and son-in-law moved in. You know all that. Okay. So they're getting ready to sell the house. They want to sell the house and move to Florida because that's where one of the daughters is. Whatever. Who cares? And listen... All I remember is Gene was upset because there was a reverse mortgage. I thought they would have been out of here by now, but apparently there's still equity in the home. And so they're they're fixing up the house in order to sell it. And they've had handymen in there and been banging down walls and doing this and doing that and whatever. Just, you know, can we, it's fine. What, it doesn't bother me, really, mostly. It doesn't bother me. It's not my business. I don't care. Except, so my uh, lovely wife, Melissa. So Melissa's outside. I think she was doing her little exercisey thing. She stomps around the neighborhood a couple of times, you know, uh, every day. And she runs into uh, whatever her name is next door. Jean's daughter. And um, Jean's daughter says, oh, yeah, we're just, I'm just, and she, oh, that's what it is. She's standing outside in front of the house with one of those big fold-out brochures that you'd get at Sherman Williams or whatever the paint stores are, you know. And it has all the paint chips in it or all the paint colors, for all the exterior paints. And so she's standing in the front yard of their home, right? Looking at the house and looking at the paint chips and looking at the house, looking at the paint chips. And Melissa says hi, and she kind of, you know, they stop and chat. And the next door neighbor, daughter lady says, you know, I'm having such a hard time choosing a color. I think I'm going to do this blue here. And she points at a blue, but I don't know, because there's a little bit of um, green in the, uh, the, you know, speckles of the roof, you know, roof, in California, we have these weird tar, rubber, what, what are the, I don't know what those are made out of, but the, these roof shingles, right? And apparently in their roof shingles, there's a little bit of green. And so she was a little worried about this blue that she'd picked out. But they had painted a little blue on the house and it was looking pretty good. But, but again, the neighbor lady was having a little, you know, reticence, let's say. So Melissa says, oh my gosh, we went through that when we painted the walls in the back of our house. We had walls put up, you know, in the way back. When we tore down the fence and we weren't sure what color, we hemmed and hawed for probably a month or two. And finally, what we ended up doing was we narrowed it down to maybe three or five colors and then we bought small cans of these colors. Because the only way you can really decide is what you should do. You know what? Do your... I mean, seriously. It's so much easier. Just paint a big area Instead of looking at the paint chip, put it on the wall. So that's what we did. We got three versions or five versions or whatever. And I painted these big rectangles on the walls and then we let it dry, you know, and then we would look at it. And we finally decided, yes, we want that one. And it's kind of this green 
but with a lot of gray in it. And we really, we ended up painting it all and we love it. And Melissa's explaining this to the lady next door. So yeah, that's how we found the color we've got back there. We still like it. In fact, we're having a bunch of work done on the house. So as soon as things are set with a contractor, we're going to paint the house that color. I'm so relieved that we don't have to go through what you're going through. But, you know, you got to go through it. So that's what, definitely what you should do. And, and the neighbor lady says, that's such a good idea. That's exactly what I'm going to do. So they say their goodbyes and they part ways. And a couple hours go by and I'm in the restroom freshening up. And there's, uh, I hear footsteps outside the door because my wife, uh, although not a heavy woman by any means, she 100% of her body weight goes into her stepping. I don't know how she does it. I don't, I would love to take her to some sort of podiatrist to analyze her feet. I don't know what it is, but like when you walk, let's say you weigh 100 pounds, 120 pounds, 180 pounds, 200 pounds. I don't know what you weigh. It's not, you know what? Your weight is not my business. But when you step, your musculature and your bones and your ligaments and your plantar vibratio, whatever's going on in your feet, all that stuff, it kind of absorbs the weight of your feet, the shock of your uh, stepping. So I would imagine that only a fragment of your body weight is actually pounding onto the floor. My wife, seriously, 100%. So I hear 100% coming down the hall and I wonder if she needs me to wrap it up in the bathroom. And so she stops outside the door and she says, guess what? And I'm like, why, why would she be that's kind of weird. She usually says, I need to get in there. But she's saying, guess what? And I say, what? And she says, uh, the next door neighbor lady uh, decided on a color. And I say, oh, okay, great. And she said, it's our color. And I say, ha, 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 what do you mean? And she says, yeah, they have already painted in the last two hours 90% of the house the color of our back walls. So I assume that my wife is exaggerating or maybe I'm hoping she's kidding. I don't know what's going on. So I go out, I go into our bedroom because our bedroom has the best window for seeing their house. I look out the window and I swear to you, it looks as if she said to the painter, hey, listen, go to the backyard and look over the wall. The neighbors have on the other side of the wall that you're looking, look at that color and get that color. And then quickly, while I hide in the house, paint the house that color. Who does, who does that? So she, she, she stole her. I mean, this is such a like suburban idiot problem, such a sitcom problem. But this is truly, if you think about being in this, what are we supposed to do now? What are we supposed to do? I mean, again, I hate to say this because I sound like a girl who's really upset about her prom dress. You know, she found out that Vicki Carlisle, that bitch, went to the, right, scooped her dress and now she's got to find another dress for the prom. Either, I know it does. I know it does sound like that. But I'm telling you, we have all these repairs to do to the back of the house. We're doing all this restuccoing. We're having a guy rebuild our carport because there's been so much wet rot and dry rot and everything. And the windowsills on half the house have to be cut off and rebuilt. And there's floor work to be done on the inside and a wall that needs to be plastered. All the, but the one thing we didn't have to worry when all that was done, the one decision that did not need to get made was the color of the house. When they were all done with all the stuccoing and the trim because the window sills had been cut off and put back and it was time to right, paint the exterior of the house, we knew it was taken care of. And now the house next door is the color that we were going to take care of it with. So... What do you, what, what do you, what do we even do? What do you do? I don't want to repaint the back walls. That cost us hundreds of dollars. I mean, I, I guess I could do it. That's really still paint is expensive. It takes a couple of coats to change that dark, a green color. I mean, I, who knows what, what, what color would we even paint it? That's the color we like. So needless to say, I've spent the last week, among other things, and we'll get to the rest of it, I suppose, in a minute, trying to think of ways to make it so no one will ever buy that house. 
next door. Ha ha ha. Or I think what we should do is just paint our house whatever color we want, and then they'll have trouble selling the house because it's kind of weird that but this house is exactly the same color as the one next door. And they'll either not buy the house or they'll paint it as soon as they move in. Either way, ha ha, we win. So I think that's the plan. I think, you know what, as of right now, hearing it come out of my mouth, it sounds genius, and that's what we're doing. I'm telling my wife this evening, we're going to paint the house whatever color we want, the color that we chose a year and a half ago, or whatever it was. I mean, it was. It could have been two years ago. That's the color. That's the color we're painting the house, because I'm telling you, it will do either one of those two things, and I couldn't be happier. So... Uh, someone hit my car or rather someone made me hit them with my car to be really accurate. Now, I didn't put it that way to their insurance company because that that sounds like there's some sort of gray area that maybe they could squeak into. A man caused our cars to collide. Last Monday, a week ago yesterday, so September 21 to 4th, I guess. I don't know. So my son goes to Wild Winds, which is a private high school in Santa Monica. And, and most days I have to drive to Santa Monica to get him, uh, to drop him off. Excuse me. And I have this, this very specific route that I take and it's lovely. And so it's really not actually that strenuous a, a morning if I go my special way which is wonderful. And then Hudson and I were actually trying to make the best of it being a Monday. And the fact that I have to get to Santa Monica by 10 of 8, well, quarter of 8, really, to drop him off so he can be in class by 10 of 8. So we were listening to some Flight of the Concords, discussing comedy music, blah, 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 beautiful, you know, typical morning, morning in Southern California. So I drop him off and... um the road that I take, how do I put this? You, okay, so the the road that I take, one of the roads that I take from his school, I go down and it's um, one of the roads in LA, it's called Sentinella, but it's one of the many roads in LA where if you go straight on it, sometimes they'll like change the name or it'll stop and zigzag and then you can maybe pick it up again. Well, this is one of those where it zigzags, like it stops so Sentinel, if you go south and then you hit Olympic, uh, it, it stops. It, there's a T-junction, but then if you want to stay on it, you go left and then you take another right about a block down and then that's the rest of it. And then that ends and then you have to jog over a little more and then that's Sentinel again. But if you go the other way, then it's, it's, it's very confusing. So I'm going to try to be not confusing when I tell you this. I'm just going to focus on the area of Sentinella where Sentinella T junctions into Olympic. So one side, well, that does, it's irrelevant. This is, it's on the Santa Monica border. Like you care. I mean, do you really care that Olympic right there is probably the border between Santa Monica and whatever is, is right? Although, no, it probably is. It doesn't matter. Okay. So listen, I drop off Hudson on time. We haven't been late yet to school. Holy cow, I can't even believe it. I drop him off and I'm going down, 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 Sentinella, and I'm almost at Olympic and I'm going to do my joggy little left. So they're, they're, the light's red and I'm probably third in line in my lane. And what it is, is because it's a T-junction, it's two lanes going left, one lane going right. And... I, th I think I, w I might have still been listening to the Concords. I don't know. I kind of have blacked out that part of the, the, the incident. So the light turns green and we all go. And now, so again, I'm in the right lane and I'm turning left of two lanes, turning right. Now, what you got to be careful about is this. Ready? Because Sentinella picks back up that, that like short block over. I'm always paranoid that somebody is going to be behind me and think that I'm going too slow and try to hot dog it around me to get into that kind of lane that sort of appears there on the right so you can turn right. 
So I think I was, I wouldn't swear to this, but I'm either looking left because I'm turning left or I'm actually looking over my right shoulder a little bit to make sure no one's hot dogging it around as I change then into the new created lane. But as I'm turning left, suddenly it's bumper cars out of nowhere. And there's the sound of crashing metal and I look ahead of me and there is a man in his car, in front of my car, perpendicular to my car. And his window is blowing in and I am pushing in the door of his car. And all I think is, what the hell? Just what happened? So he, 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 I have crashed into him. He and I have crashed. I feel like I've crashed into him because he basically filled in this, like he went in front into my car, like into the path of my car. So he pulls over immediately and I can't because now, as you can imagine, you know how, what I was afraid of people coming around me on my right? Because I've stopped and I'm trying to get over, everyone is now going around me on the right. So I'm now stuck in the middle of the intersection with the front of my car smashed in, not knowing if I can even drive it, honestly. Waiting, and they're all looking at me like, why are you stopped there in the middle of the intersection? That's so weird. And I'm like, because, idiot, I'm trying to get over. Well, finally, he realizes that he probably shouldn't stay there either because it's morning drive time and there's a lot of cars and traffic. So he pulls into the parking lot of a Jaguar dealer only in Santa Monica. And I eventually get over there and I eventually am able to get in and I pull up next to him and I look at him and I am like, are you okay? And he's like, I'm okay. So he gets out of the car. He's very shaken up. Um, because he's not really clear what just happened. And I say, well, uh, were you just on Olympic going east? And he said, yeah, I was. And I said, well, you ran a red light. And we crashed. And he says, really? And I say, yeah, yeah, pretty much. So we exchange information. His significant other shows up with the insurance card because he doesn't have the insurance card and the insurance card is with the significant other. You understand what I mean? So that, right, that gets taken care of and IDs are exchanged and photographed and I took some pictures of his car, some pictures of my car, but I seemed okay. He seemed okay. Everybody seemed okay. So I realized, you know what? I think I'm supposed to call the police. So I call the police and I call 911 and I say, it's a non-emergency collision, please. And they say, okay. And they transfer me to someone. And the conversation essentially goes like this. Hello, sir. Was anyone, is anyone, uh, was anyone injured or fatally injured? No. Do you need an, or does the other person need an ambulance? No. Did you destroy any city property like the sidewalk, the curb, or a tree? No. Well, then just exchange information. It's okay. We don't need to come out. Which I, I, I guess I understand. I guess the police isn't, uh, you know, maintained. The police force is not maintained to be some sort of liaison during your, uh, you know, traffic accidents, I guess. So, so there's no witnesses. There's no cop filling out a report questioning him. I don't know why he ran the red light. It didn't even dawn on me. I wish I had thought of it at the time to go, hey, man, so you were you on, were you checking your email or texting or anything by any chance? About, I don't know, three seconds before we met. So I take a look at my car and because um, we're done and I take a look at my car and the, the front fender is beat in pretty badly. 
Uh, I can't open the passenger side door, although the door itself looks like it's in pretty good shape. And, you know, the front end kind of hoodie thing, not quite the grill, but kind of the grill is a little bashed. But it doesn't look like the wheel was really nailed. So I tell him I'm pretty sure I can drive on it. And he goes having a private tete-a-tete with his significant other and I drive off. And of course, as soon as I drive off, it becomes very clear that I shouldn't actually probably be driving the car. But if I hold the steering wheel really, really tight and try not to hit any big, big bumps, then I'm okay. But if I let up on the wheel even at all, it goes left. Like, left. And if I go over a bump too quickly... You know, your car can raise up off the ground a little bit. Well, if there's something about it lifting up a little bit, it goes to the left. So I have to just grandma drive the thing, you know, home. So I'm not, I guess I got to file a thing with my insurance company, right? So my insurance company is Allstate, you know, the good hands people, Dennis What's his name with the big voice? Does the commercials makes me feel very good about having Allstate? So I, I think, am I going to call my Allstate agent who I'm really sick of, or am I going to just go online, or do I just call Allstate General? So I think, you know what? If you call Allstate, you're going to have to answer a bunch of questions and think of all this stuff or whatever, whatever, whatever. Why don't you go online? Go online and file the report online, and that way, if you I have to refer to a map or look up the street name or this or the direction or whatever. Anything you need to figure out, you can do it in your own time and then you can submit it and then follow up with a phone call. So that's what I do. I answer all the questions about my car, their car, the condition of their car, my travel. And then I type up a statement. I was traveling southbound and then I was making a turn to go eastbound on Olympic when the gentleman's car in my path and we struck and we exchanged and the car's, uh, you know, alignment is completely off and I don't know and yada yada. So then I submit that to Allstate and I think at the same time too, what was it? I think I initiated some kind of chat with Allstate and I don't remember why, but I had some, you know, some minor question with, for them about something. I, I forget what it was. Uh, my deductible or uh, I, I forget. So they say, yeah, I had a question about my deductible. And so they say, well, we'll have a representative call you right away. We have your number. Don't worry about it. Everything's fine. We've got all the information. It's come through loud and clear. We'll get back to you on all this as soon as we can. And I'm oh, okay. Great. So I don't remember why. I don't remember if it was my wife's suggestion or if I ended up breaking down and calling my agent, my insurance agent. Because obviously I didn't think that I had to pay for any of this because I didn't really do anything wrong other than being near that guy. The one That is the one thing I did wrong. The one thing I did wrong was ending up in that guy's general vicinity while he was operating a motor vehicle, uh, ignoring a red light. So I was very, you know, I didn't want my rates to go up. That can happen, right? Can't your rates go up? Absolutely. So maybe I did call the agent. But anyway, somebody had the idea that I call his insurance company to file the claim with them. And maybe it was my insurance person. So I call his insurance company, which is USAA. And yeah, I'm naming names. I don't care. So so I call USAA. And they uh, ask me the name of the other driver and I tell them and um, they pull the claim up right away and they say, okay, Mr. Class, well, tell you what, we, um, the the gentleman has filed the claim. It's right here. I seem to have all the pertinent information. If I could just uh, get your vitals and then I need to record uh, an official statement from you. Uh, do you have any problem with that? Certainly not. Okay. And he asked me my address and all that crap, you know. And then he asked me to make a statement while I'm being recorded. Now, as you know, I'm used to being recorded, but not by an insurance company. An insurance company that probably is not going to want to pay, if they can avoid it, for my car. They have a vested interest in not paying for my car. 
because that's kind of the business model. The business model is, hey, you pay us for insurance. And then when you get in an accident, we don't want to pay it. So he says, we're going to record now. Okay. And he asks, he asks me what happened. And I refer to my map and we bring up Google Maps, you know, and I say, well, I'm southbound on Sentinella South slash uh, parentheses West. And I'm making a right turn. I'm really paranoid because this is on the record. And if I say one thing wrong, it could be used against me in an insurance battle. So I really don't want to say that he, because this is how I kind of felt, like he made me hit him because my car was going in the green light. And then all of a sudden, his my path was interrupted by his, the, right, his car door. So I'm being very careful to not say I hit him or he made me hit him or any of that, even though in the shock and all, and, and trust me, I'm still buzzing with adrenaline. I'm really just rattled beyond belief. I mean, I'm very calm in those situations. Like if you had seen me, you'd be like, Dan, you realize you guys just crashed. I'm like, yeah, whatever. But I'm still, my veins are coursing with adrenaline. And I don't want to say that I hit him because I didn't hit him. He made us collide. So I keep every time I'm like, and then um, our cars collided. And then there was the impact of our cars in the intersection. There was interpacting of the thing. And he said, okay, well, does this intersection, is it a controlled intersection? I mean, do you have an arrow or something there? I'm like, man, it's a T-junction. Do you understand a T-junction? We either have a green light or a red light. Whether there's an arrow or not is insignificant. Because even if there's no arrow, there's an arrow. Because you got to turn left if you're in the left lane or right if you're in the right lane. Do you understand? Yeah, probably arrows. Do you understand that your guy ran a red light from the top of the T? See, I was in the bottom of the T with a green light. And he came from the top of the T and went right through and into me. So I'm very paranoid. My heart is beating. I'm making my recorded statement for the recorded recording that will be scrutinized by their people. And we get to the end and he says, do you have anything else to add? And I say, I don't think so. And he turns off the recorder and he asks me another question or something. And then I remember one more thing to add and I don't remember what it was. And I think it was this, like, hey, just so everyone's clear, because we haven't said it in these exact words, your man went through a red light. Let's, let's be very clear. Just because I didn't see it doesn't mean I don't know. For my light, do you understand? For my light to be green and for everyone around me to be acting like we all have green lights. So there's really no like weird, like, are you sure it was green? Yeah, man, I saw it. And apparently so did everyone else. Let's just be super clear. Your man re re ran a red light. So he finishes up and he says about the last thing I expected him to say. He said, okay, well, USAA and their client are taking full responsibility for what has happened. He is assuming 100% of the liability for this incident and we will be paying for the repairs of your car in full and for a rental car if you should need one. And I was so shocked that this is what he said. I was like, yeah, I need a rental car. Why would, what? The, uh, uh, uh. But I was in shock. I really was. So the next, so literally within that, that hour, so that happened at whatever time, let's say 10 o'clock in the morning on 11, I don't know what time it was. An hour later, I had dropped my car off at the repair place and been driven from there by Enterprise to the Enterprise office. They gave me a rental Jetta and I was on my way. Now, they gave me a list of, uh, you know, repair shops. One of them I had dealt with several times, so I was very confident that that was the place. I just took it there. They said, yeah, Enterprise rent a car. Yeah, I don't know. Sure. Great. They're going to pick me up, drive me over. Yeah, fine. Great. Great. Boom, boom, boom. There we go. 
an hour for the USAA thing to just do its deal. An hour. At five o'clock that afternoon, I started getting phone calls from Allstate wanting me to make a statement about the incident for Allstate. Five o'clock in the afternoon. One call from my claims representative calling me, what, seven hours later? I dropped my son off at eight in the morning. I came home and immediately filled out the thing for Allstate. So let's say seven hours later, eight hours later. And then the woman that was supposed to call me right away with the information about my deductible, seven, really, eight, seven hours later. You're in good hands. They're just a little busy right now. So yeah, the car's in the shop. It'll be done. I think it's going to be done pretty soon. Tomorrow or the next day. I don't know. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm really seriously considering switching over to USAA. I got... With the... And the thing and the... Uh, Alright, 20 more minutes. What time is it? Okay. So... Um... Where do I begin? So, okay. So, uh, my, uh, uh, you know, Kush. Like, I don't know where to begin. Kush, Kush, okay. We've, we talked about this already, I think, right? Kush, shooting a short film, asked me if I knew anybody that would be good for it. I said, Jenica Berger. Is that how you pronounce it? Berger? I honestly don't know because I know her by her married name. I admit it. I know her from the other side of the curtain, my friends. I think her name is Jenica Berger. So I said, yeah, what about, you know, what about my friend Jenica? And he, she, he looked her up and was like, yeah, man, she's awesome. Let's do this thing. So the film was going to be Jenica and Susan Rattan from L.A. Law. Are you my age? Did you watch L.A. Law? Or are you a child? Because if you're my age, odds are good, really, statistically, my age, Caucasian, maybe Asian-American, Jewish American. I don't know about the African. I don't know. Do African Americans watch LA Law? I don't think so. The Hispanics probably watched LA Law for Jimmy Smiths. Did they really not have a an African American? I can't think. Was Blair Underwood on that show? He should have been. There had to be like a hot. There had to be like a hot brother attorney on there, right? On LA Law, there had to be a hot brother. Because they had Corbin Burnson, they had Jimmy Smiths. They had, their, I mean, I got to look this up. There had to be Blair Underwood or some good looking guy, right? And then they had the bald guy. Wasn't he on that show? The bald guy? I can't think of his name right now. And then Susan Rattan is the sassy. What, do you take offense when I say good looking black guy? Is that is that an offensive thing to say in 2013? You know, I'm. A, I, listen, I I grew up with Michael Jack. I, did, I didn't realize that was bad. Should I say they're, they're you, you know my heart. Don't make me so paranoid. Okay. <sighs> Susan Rattan is Roxy. Wasn't that her name? Roxy? Something like that? The sassy. Wasn't she the sassy secretary of Corbin Burnson? Nominated for two, no, three Emmy Awards for acting. Best supporting actress in an, in an acting series about law. Susan Rattan, you know what I'm talking about, because you watched L.A. Law, because we all did. You know why? Because we were hot for Susan Day. That's why the guys watched it for Susan Day, right? Lori Partridge was on L.A. Law. Don't kid yourself. That's why you watched it. Sorry. Susan Rattan, you were sassy. We didn't know who you were. We tuned in for Susan. Isn't that her name? Susan Day? What's her name? Linda Day? Susan Day? Lori Partridge? Whatever. You know what I'm saying. So listen, so. So Jim's going to do this shoot with Susan Rattan and Jenica Berger about these two uh, women that I don't know if they work for the county picking up, uh, you know, a roadkill, let's say. Right. And then they meet this creepy guy who's going to show them where some new roadkill is or some wounded animal or something. I don't know. And. um, 
And I think I told you, then Jim called me and said, hey, the guy that I was going to get to play this kind of odd guy uh, can't do it. He's going to be in Texas doing a movie. And he's a guy that works all the time, so it's not shocking. So he said, listen, you know, whatever. So I, did I tell you the part where I went over to Jim's? Right, I did, right? I went over to Jim's. I showed him some of my weirdness. Like he knew I was weird, but I was like, well, what about this kind of weirdness? And he was like, mm, yeah, I like that second kind of weirdness. So the deal was we were going to shoot and we were going to shoot last, I don't know what you call it now because it wasn't last Friday. It was the Friday before. It was the 20th of September, September 20th. We were going to shoot, which was my birthday, which was my birthday. So so that that was agreed upon and that was great. And I was very excited, except there, and I don't, I'd love to know where this comes from. I have some sort of one, one of my neuroses is about weather and clothing. I'm always worried that I'm going to be really super hot or really super cold. And I stress about what to wear or what I'm going to wear, or what I'm going to have to wear or whatever. Because whenever we go back east, not as much now, but before I used to, like when I went to Sundance, when was that? In 2002, I bought all these wool sweaters. Like I was going to be stranded in a parking lot somewhere for 16 hours with no coat on or something. I mean, it was really bizarre. But no matter what, when I think it's going to be really cold, I stress about what clothes to bring, what shoes, what coat. Do I have an overcoat? Do I have a scarf? Do I have my mittens? And then when I think it's going to be really hot, I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. It's going to be sunny and sweltering. I'm going to die. It's going to be so hot. It's going to be so hot. It's going to be horrible. And Jim told me where we were going to shoot the show. And it was up in Elysian Park. Is that how you say it? Elysian Park? Up near Dodger Stadium. And I know that part of town because I used to live over there. It's right near where my cousin and I had a place in Echo Park for a little while. And it's hot over there, man. It's hot. And it's September. And September is hot. And we're going to be out in the woods. And Jim already told me I'm going to be wearing some kind of hoodie. So I'm going to be wearing a hoodie and it's going to be hot as hell, man. And I'm going to have to be creepy, which won't be hard when I'm hot as hell. Trust me. But then there's other stuff that happens. And I was like, this is just, uh, this is going to be hot and horrible. But this is why how we suffer for our craft. So I met Susan Rattan. L.A. Law's Roxy, which is not to say that's the only thing she's done, because I, I looked it up. She's been working nonstop. It's crazy. So I went over to Jim's and Susan Rattan from L.A. Law was there. And Jenica was there. But, you know, Jenica, you know, we know each other as like parents. So it was kind of interesting to see her as like actress Jenica. You know what I mean? Like to actually read through a script with her and everything. Very cool. And then a couple of days later was going to be the shoot. And the other thing I'm neurotic about is my food, obviously, because of my blood sugar situation. So I get up early in the morning. I get up early enough to kind of eat a little something and shower and get ready. And I think I had to shave and all that jazz, you know. And I get in my car and I go because I don't want to be late. And I was going to, there was a, a chance I was going to pick up Jenica, but I didn't end up having to do that, which was actually, no offense, Jenica, kind of a relief. Because that meant fewer variables in my getting uh, 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 on time. Except that I go out the house and I'm on the freeway. I'm already on the freeway. And I'm like, oh my God, you forgot the cooler, the bag you put together of, with the ice block that you were going to put in the cooler with your, clo uh, your cl uh, cliff bars. You might be missing your cliff bars and your ice packs. Dan, you were supposed to bring your cliff bars and your ice packs. So I immediately jump off the freeway. I turn around. I go zooming back. By the time I get there, my wife and daughter are up and they're like, what happened? What happened? It's like, I forgot the bag. It's right here. It's on the counter. It's not on the counter. The bag, the bag, the plastic bag with the ice bag packs in it and the cliff bars is not on the counter. It's in the car. It's in the car, in the cooler, exactly where it's supposed to be. I'm just asleep. And when I put it in there, it didn't register that I put it in there, but I did put it in there. So when I thought it wasn't there, it was there. And when I was turning around the car, it was in there. And when I never pulled over to look and I just drove straight home in a panic, it was there the whole time. So 
I get back on the freeway and I go and I go and I go and I go and I get there because I know where I'm going, kind of. But but I kind of don't know where I'm going because I don't really know that part of the park. It's a big park and I don't really know that part. But I get off the freeway at this, the exit that I'm supposed to and I try to follow the directions, but it's kind of impossible to follow directions and drive on certain types of street at the same time. Now, I can follow directions if the street's long and wide and straight, but if the road is curving and crazy and has hills and sharp turns and traffic and all that, it gets a little complicated. So somewhere, I'm not following, I'm not following. I'm not following. And no matter which way I go, no matter what map on my phone I look at, no matter what direction I try to take, I end up at the gates of Dodger Stadium. And that's not where I need to be. So I'm, I go in one end of the park and then I come, I'm at Dodger Stadium and then I end up going out another way and then I have to go back in and then I go out the other way and I end up over at the other freeway. So I know that part. So I'm like, listen, I don't, where am I going? So I finally have to like do an illegal pullover. For some reason, the phone refuses to find my current location just, you know, to spite me. So I find a road that I'm pretty sure is the road that I need, even though it kind of feels like it's on the wrong side of the main street that goes through the park. But I'm going to just take a leap of faith and I'm driving and driving and I turn and driving and you're turning around and curving, and curving, and curving. And then you turn and you go past and you can kind of see the stadium below and it's getting a little freaky because it's getting so high and I keep turning. And I'm going straight and I'm going around. And I'm turning and I'm not seeing anyone. And I pass a playground and I'm not seeing anyone pass the thing. I'm not seeing anyone. I'm just about to pull over and call the assistant director. And there's everyone. Thank goodness. And I'm the last one to arrive. And I hate that. Because I hate being the last one to arrive. Because I hate that. Because I don't want to be a cliched actor who's late. Cliche is actors are late. They're always late. They're late to everything. I didn't want to be that guy. And I was the late guy. It was not hot. It was overcast. And slightly cool. And completely comfortable all day we were in the park for half the day and it never got hot and sunny never it never got dry and dusty ever it was perfect sunshine for shooting because you don't want to be super sunny because then you get super shadows right you don't want that harsh light you want a nice soft light exactly like what we got. The actors were great. The crew was great. Jim is ice under pressure. The guy doesn't sweat. He's nothing but fun and enjoying himself the whole time. Unbelievable. So then the guy comes around, the AD comes around, he's going to take everybody's food order. And he says, yeah, we're going to, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm going to go between here and then we're going to go to another location because they wanted to, they had to shoot some stuff inside a van and we we're going to go to a little studio. So it says, yeah, between here and the studio, I'm going to go to uh, get a, everybody lunch. I'm going to stop at Subway. What do you want? And my first reaction is nothing. I don't, I don't want anything from Subway. I don't eat Subway. I haven't eaten in a Subway in probably 20 years. What do I, I don't know what I, what I, I don't know what I want. I want to go somewhere other than Subway. I can't eat those buns. It'll give me a headache. I don't, what? So he's like, what now? But again, I don't want to be the cliched actor who would be like, oh, I don't eat Subway. Uh, can we go somewhere else? I'm on a macrobiotic, vegan, all natural soy diet. So I need a veggie shake and a back rub. You know what I mean? Don't want to do that. So I say, I'm laughing and I'm like, ah, <laughs> I don't know. I, and I really didn't know. Like, I don't know what to say right now. I guess I want, um, did they have ham? Do they have, and I really, uh, 
Mm, so I don't know. I, I don't even remember what I said. Ham and cheese? What kind of cheese? Uh, I don't know. Provolone? Do they have provolone or cheddar? What, what cheeses are they most likely to have at Subway? I have no idea. I haven't been in 20 years. Give me ham and cheese. Provolone. Do they have, yeah, give it on wheat with, um, uh, I don't know, whatever, just whatever. Just, yeah, that's fine. Whatever, whatever I, whatever I've said so far is fine. And then he's taking other orders and this takes a while. It takes 20 minutes or a half an hour because there's probably a dozen or so of us, maybe more cast and crew, you know? And all the other people are saying, oh, well, I'd like it on flatbread. And I can I get it with the uh, Cajun sauce on it with some bean sprouts and kale and then a little bit of the pepper provolone? And, I, and I'm standing there going like, oh, my God, what is going on? These people know everything about Subway and there's all this stuff going on. And so I keep like, hey, can you change my order to whatever he just said? Can you just just write the number two next to what Jim said? And that's what I'll have. And that's fine. But I am really worried, but don't worry, because I have migraine medicine in my pocket on shoot days at all times. I'm really worried, though, that I need to eat this sandwich because I have to have a meal because you know me because I have to have a meal. And I'm going to eat this stupid Subway sandwich and it's going to give me a headache, like a migraine headache, and it's going to be bad. Because the stuff that we're doing in the second half of the day... You know, there's just a, I, I need to have my wits about me to be the actor that I want to be. For me to do in the scene what I need to do, I need to really be A1. And if I have a freaking migraine because I ate a ham and cheese Subway footlong, that's not good, man. So we all take, you know, our separate vehicles over to the others, to the, you know, to the studio, to the other location. And, um... We all get over there and Susan and I meet in the front and we're walking around and, you know, she's just a doll. And we go in and everybody shows up and then the Subway arrives and that Subway sandwich was so delicious. I want to have one every day. I don't know why I have not eaten there in 20 years, but I would just like to say, Jared, I am sorry. Oh my gosh, it was so good. 12 inches of whole wheat roll with, I don't, I, on, I listen, I don't know what was on it. All I know is you got to, you know, you got to get the subway. And then I think, I think an element of the whole thing is it has to marinate a little bit. You can't eat it right away. So I don't know that I would ever go into the subway and then sit in subway. I think the subway, I think the sandwich, right, needs to leave the establishment and then be driven somewhere. To give it the proper je ne sais quoi, mon ami. Tout le monde, c'est vrai, oui? Oui. Oh, it was so good. With some Diet Coke and talking smack about actors that we've worked with. Oh, it was great. I just love hearing stories about actors that... I like, I like hearing stories about actors who are total jerks and actors who are so awesome. I love it and I'm not going to name names. But... Some of them are real jerks. And some of them are really awesome. And Susan and Jenica, obviously, on my totally awesome list. So, so there's really not much to tell. I had an awesome day hanging out with those two. I met this dude named uh, Sonny. Well, you know, I met the whole crew. Obviously, they were great. But Sonny was there, and Sonny was the stunt coordinator because there was a little bit of stuff going on where you might need a stunt coordinator around. And it turns out that Sonny is the stunt double for Zach Galifianakis. So he was telling me all these great Zach Galifianakis stories. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I used to see Zach all the time. I don't know if Zach would remember me. He and I used to do stand-up all the time at this place. It was on Venice Boulevard or whatever, whatever. And then we get into this conversation. Uh, and then Jenica comes into the conversation because Jenica, when I first met her, she's like, I think I know you from somewhere and I'm like I don't know and she's like do I know you from stand up and I go you might but I don't recognize you and I'm so good with remembering people because I really am I really remember a lot of people not you but everyone else I remember 
So Jenica joins the conversation and goes, wait a minute, are you talking about Pedersons on Venice? You used to go there? And I'm like, oh my God, I used to go there all the time. That was like my second home. And she's like, that's where I know you from. So it turns out that Jenica and I do have this actual, not presumed, but actual common history of 20, 25 years ago. When we all like, she, you know, she and I and Jamie Kennedy and Zach and I'm trying to think of who else you might know that would have gone there. Uh, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, it doesn't matter. I'll tell you later. A lot of comics used to go to this place called Pedersen. I'm like, oh my God, you used to go to Pedersen. She's like, oh, I used to go to Pedersen. I used to go out with Jamie Kennedy. And I'm like, mind blown now that the Jamie situation is for uh, another day I gotta get Jenica in here I gotta get Jenica in here and I gotta, gotta get Susan in here I gotta get Sonny the stuntman in here I really do need to start another podcast where I bring I gotta straighten up this room and I gotta bring people in here to talk to them because I do meet these awesome people there would be so much, you know, there are all these great, the truth is there are these great podcasts. There's hundreds of great podcasts to listen to. If you want to hear interviews with other, like with comedians, like a comedian interviewing another comedian, there's like a gazillion. And then there are other interviewer interview shows where they interview really like the biggest people they can get. There are so many other people that aren't like A-listers that are so insanely interesting, have so many awesome stories that I don't think every interview has to be with, you know, Tom York or Chris Rock. Uh, although I love hearing those guys be interviewed, but you know what I mean? Like, what about the rest of Hollywood? There's hundreds of people that you would love to hear from. Trust me. It was a great day. It was a great day. I was exhausted. I had a blast. It was the greatest. It was the greatest way to definitely to spend a work day, to spend your birthday with friends and colleagues, all working toward a common purpose. No drama, no divas, no disasters, nothing, nothing. Smooth as silk, enjoyable every moment. Definitely the best day of shooting I can think of. Bar none. All right, that's it for the bitterest pill. I did think of something else. No, there's really nothing else. I've been listening to a lot of jazz uh, lately. I think my saxophonists. I gotta. I think I gotta maybe collaborate with my saxophonist. My British. There's a secret British saxophone contingency of the bitterest pill bass. We might have to collaborate on some like jazzy spoken wordy thing because I've been getting into all this Coltrane and Miles Davis lately. Although it might be melting my brain just a little bit. It might be a little too much. I had to back off and start listening to Vibes records just to kind of cool down. Some Cal Jader. Is that how you say that? Cal, Cal Jader? Do you know what I'm talking about? That and I found out recently that... um, And there's no story. That's why I'm just going to tell you this now before I go. Um... My son texted me the other day and said that there was an an A-list movie star at his school. Because you know, I told you he goes to Wild Winds. And I'm like, well, why would A-list movie star be at your school? And he's like, well, because he, one of his kids goes there. And I guess it makes sense that, why, you know, A-list stars have to have their kids go to school somewhere. I'm just not used to that, right? And I mean A. I mean non-disputable A list. I will never tell you who it is. I will tell you it's a male. I'll tell you it's not George Clooney because I don't think he has kids. But A list movie star. And I'm like, I, I don't need that kind of pressure. I don't please, dear Lord, please make it so that either I never run into this particular person at some sort of school event or if I do, that somehow I am so charming and witty and it never comes up what I do for a living I don't want to discuss, I want to just like maybe I'll buck seriously, I'll learn about sports if that's what I need to just have like, if we had to talk, right? But for the most part, unless the two of us can become like best friends I just, please, 
Tell, t- give me guidance. That's all I'm saying. A, a solid A, solid A. That's weird. I mean, I know it's possible, but it, it was weirder last week or the week before when it was like an A-list TV guy. This is an A-list period, like A-list feature, like carries American films. And I won't tell you if he's American or Canadian. He's an English-speaking actor. I won't tell you his race, his hair color, his country of origin. I'm just saying he is A. And that's weird, man. And if I can get a picture of him, I will. But I won't upload it for you because then you'll know who it is. And that's the last I'm probably going to say about that until um, we have a horribly clumsy uh, episode of Small Talk over some crudité at a parent meeting. Okay? Okay, that's all I'm going to say about that. Thank you for downloading the show. Next time, I have no idea what we'll talk about because it hasn't happened yet. Thanks for listening to The Bitterest Pill. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Pill is produced by Jacket Media, makers of fine podcasts since 2004. That's 